Matthew, Matthew, are you there? Yeah, he told this story like they had an actor. He didn't he didn't need actors a lot, but he did sometimes, and he had an actor that he needed for this shot. Well, that guy got drunk and like beat up his wife and went to jail. Oh dear. And they needed him and they needed they needed him like, to shoot the next day, you know? And so he and the uh, one of the executive producers or something were down at the jail in the morning hosting his bail. Grabbing that guy, getting him, you know, getting him out of there, and putting him in the shower, and you know, getting him in front of the camera, so he could shoot his scene. <laughs> you know, I mean, that 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 producer's job is, you know, goes further than you'd ever imagine. You know? has fallen in the central time zone of North America, in the state of Texas, on the bleeding edge of the Edwards Plateau, in Travis County, in and around Austin, Texas. Here we sit in a relatively undisclosed location, besides everything that I just told you before, peering out across the deadfall of the last days of autumn. Welcome to episode 157 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. We have joked in the past about being unprepared to report or to record a podcast, and tonight we want to try and top those past efforts. This episode holds surprises even to us, your intrepid hosts. Join us now for an eloquent exploration of middle-aged blandness. I would be terrified if I were all alone. But I'm not. I'm here with my podcast writer, Die. He's one hell of a guy. If you watch a dog poop, you might get a sty in your eye. Have you heard that one? That's why I leave the poetry to him. Not just a dorm at Wellesley College anymore. He's the eighth sister. He's Schaefer Hall. Believe it or not, I'm talking on air. I never thought I could speak so freely podcasting away on Matthew's back porch. Who could it be? Believe it or not, it's Shafi. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, wow. So that sounds familiar. The Are you aware that uh, I've I've parodied that before? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It happens. Oh, like I'm surprised. Honestly, I'm surprised that it was episode episode 97. Episode it was June. It was June of 21. So, surpri not surprising that you 60 episodes ago. That yeah, that's. Wow. I I went a little. You you went right to the chorus. I went with. Look at what's happened to me. I can't believe it myself. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm up on top of the world. But that's just the song. And I said, believe it or not, I'm podcasting on air. And I said, it's Shafee and me. So, uh, yeah. 
Fun. <laughs> I can't Go back it. and listen to the first of episode 97 if you want to. That's so it. funny. It, you know, I... <laughs> that all, is really funny. I, I, I'm i I'm stoked that that happened. Kind of all day I was planning on doing the Dukes of Hazard theme. Oh, you would have beat me to that one. Now I'm going to take that one. You know, but I used to... Save, like, save it for the next switcheroo. There's just like all the like, you know... Good old boy stuff and just like uh, oh, you, Confederate oh, flag you shit. Think I just didn't want it. Oh, you uh, think the Dukes of Hazard has been sullied by the history of our country? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? It's more like uh, you know, I just oh, it's but the truth of the history of our country is what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a shame that the General Lee had a well, first thing. The car is called the General Lee, yeah, and that and that it had a Confederate flag right on the hood. And, you know, whatever, that's, you know, I mean, like, I don't, do I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the Bo and Luke Duke's opinion of African Americans was, uh, so. I don't think the show ever delves at all into right. Bo and Luke's It's fine, you know, opinion. maybe they're perfect, maybe they're, maybe they have a 100% positive liberal uh, loving attitude towards all races, but I mean, it's not like we know Shafee's feeling towards African Americans because of the Kanye discussion from episode one fifty six. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. Go on, man. go on. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Did you listen to that? <laughs> yeah, it was confusing, was and it, I was confused as a commuter train. It was fine. You to me, I listened to it, and it felt. Listen, we know what people want is for us to be vulnerable. <laughs> if if that discussion turned into you feeling like you may have said something untoward, which I got to say, I'm pretty sure you did not. And we just are living in a time where we're all being careful what we say, which is good, yeah. which is a good thing. Good thing. Um, but it made for good radio. I thought the last. I think this episode is going to stink because the last episode was excellent. I thought it was good. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> uh, I was thinking more about our like Tuesday versus Friday thing, and you know, it's a, it's a phenomenon. It came up on Omnibus. It's my, Alex and I have talked about it a lot uh, when we're talking about singing and performing music. If you smile when you sing, uh huh. People can hear it. Right. And Ken Jennings on The Honest, you know, the Jeopardy greatest of all time, host of Jeopardy now, is talking. He's like, if you're smiling while you talk, people can hear it too, you know? And I was thinking, you know, like, just on Fridays, for whatever reason, I tend to, you know, we tend to be more hyped up. And I, I feel like I'm smiling more, and I feel like you could hear it, like, in that last episode. I'm smiling the whole time, yeah. and I think, it, you know, it comes through, so. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Maybe we always smile when we talk, no matter well, what. Well, uh, I mean, here's to Friday episodes. Whether we're, whether we're happy or not. Uh, <laughs> we don't have to do it on Tuesday. I don't, the Tuesday was sort of a vestige of an earlier time. And, you know, no. That, and and Fridays don't always work out. It's not like we haven't recorded good episodes on Tuesday we have you know really it's more like our idea of the episode but I just thought it was interesting and I think you know it is there's plenty of those episodes where we're not smiling which I find compelling as well (sighs) okay listen we're just talking about the show right now it's interesting to think that how you talk affects how you're heard you know 
yes. how you how yes. others hear you and interpret what you're saying. Yeah, I want to talk when I when people hear me talking either on the podcast or on the phone or or from a you know broadcasting from some location. I, I just I want them to think of me as dancing. I want them to hear in my voice that I'm dancing. I want them to. I'm like um, <laughs> I'm like the dancing outlaw. You know, are you doing the Lindy Hop? Uh, isn't that problematic these days? I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, do you know what the name of the dive that Ronnie Dangerfield does at the end of Back to School is? No, there's a name. Yeah. Okay. No. He pulls it off to to win the tournament, and I don't know, save uh, the school. or I something. I love that movie. So, but I don't remember it now. This came up at the bar the other day. It's uh, and I remembered it without the, the without trip, the triple Lindy, the triple Lindy. Oh yeah, it okay. is. Yeah, yes, got it. Well done, thank you. Um, I think we should start the podcast now. Let's get started. Um, Matthew, Matthew, are you there? I I'll go right into the minutia. I'll I'll let the robot just place right into the minutia. Wait, that one just that one just cuts off. Uh. My family's been sick. Mm-hmm. I come to you tonight wearing a plague mask. Can you hear the plague mask in my voice? <laughs> um, I, think, I think the flu has ripped through the house. Griffin <laughs> got Griffin fell ill like last fr- like last Friday night as he went to bed. He's like, I don't feel so good. And then he like wakes up in the night and he's like, Oh man, my head and yeah, yeah. And, you give him a little, just a little children's Tylenol or something. You're like, I don't know what to do for you. And then like, this kid was, was sick, man. Like yeah. I, he's a super active person. I don't know yeah. if we've ever talked about that. Mm-hmm. And um, he laid on the couch for three days. Oh, wow. For, he had fever as of Saturday night or Saturday early morning or Saturday day. And then it persisted through like, like. Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning. Did, what day did he go? Wait, he 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 was out of school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This conversation and, is and, reminding me I haven't got my flu shot. And only on Wednesday. Uh, well, I hope that get it. Yeah. Um, and then I don't want and, that then, to and then Amy started feeling bad on Tuesday, and then it hit Isabel on Wednesday. Um, but Big Daddy. Skated, I'm skated. still I'm hanging in there, but I'm sure right after the podcast, like I've been, I've 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 been making things happen and taking care of everybody and trying to get to the weekend, do the podcast. The I'll probably be, I'll probably wake up dead. So, okay, anyway, watch, we always wondered when the end. Watch the England game with me. Uh, I'll just have to see what's going on here with okay. the plague. You know, I'll we'll be there. I would love to come up to the bar with Griffin, you know, yeah. for that. But he's still coughing. Like, um, have you seen the ballad of Buster Scruggs <laughs> in that one where the little this lassie and her brother head out in the wagon train and her brother gets the consumption and he just like coughs himself to death on like the first oh, no. week of the wagon train? Oh, poor it, kid. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like that. We sent him back to school and we're like, dude, you need to wear a mask. I mean. After he's gone through like the five days and his fevers come down, he's not contagious, but the, the cough sounds terrible. And we had one night where like the cough wasn't productive yet, and he was he coughed all night. 
Mm, really that sucks. I know. So it was. Then, I've had a tough week, and I'm glad just to be here at all. I'm glad any of us are here. Yeah. Uh, I'm, glad things. I'm glad you're healthy. But yeah, I don't have anything for the podcast. Um, <laughs> One magical nation. I I, I I started laughing when Matthew got started because I looked at the show sheet for the first time. It's an awesome. Uh, like he wrote his in, intro. I wrote, I wrote the intro out. I didn't put anything on the show sheet. Because I'm a, a total piece of shit, but uh, it's debatable. After the after the interview, all it says the show sheet says plague mask, and then there's a BBC News link, and then it says in other news, QAnon thinks that the Pope is a Satanist. You, <laughs> that's the whole show sheet. Did you hear? That's the whole show sheet. No. Did you hear that? No. I, I'm stoked that finally we're gonna have a short one. <laughs> I've been trying to have a short podcast for a long time. Like I think that would be fine. If it was like 25 really good minutes, that'd be dope. Um, have you heard that QAnon thinks the Pope is the same? Oh, no, I'm delighted, though. This is going to get into some like family shit. Um, oh. My my stepmom is a, devote, it's a devout Catholic. Mm. And uh, I shouldn't be talking about this. My, I don't know. My sister tells me that she's into some QAnon stuff. And now she... Should they, they think that Pope Francis is is a Satanist, probably because he because he loves and cares about people. And... Well, yeah, I think you know people are a little <laughs> are a little put out that he's had some like considerate edicts yeah. go out. <laughs> like, this is this, not this is not what we expect of our popes. I found this Reuters fact check article from. April 20th, 2022, which seems... His pectoral cross. (laughs) Fact check. Pope Francis's pectoral cross is not a satanic symbol. It depicts Jesus. Pectoral cross sounds like a football play. (laughs) By Roy's fact check. So I don't know if you... Pectoral cross. It does, doesn't it? But (laughs) you grew up Catholic. You're not not aware. Uh, This says that... um, Popes, cardinals, and bishops traditionally wear a pectoral cross, meaning of the chest in Latin, oh. to distinguish themselves from regular clergymen. Is that the one that's it's more? Uh, so, so pec- Pope, symmetry? Pope, reading from the article, Pope Francis's pectoral cross is unusual in that it's not gold and adorned with jewels, as is traditional for a pope. This is another thing that people don't like about this pope is that he's. Uh, you know, he loves the poor. He's he's caring about the poor. They're like, what's this? There's, where's the jewels? <laughs> he kept the more modest silver cross he wore as cardinal in Argentina. It depicts Jesus as a shepherd with a flock of sheep at his shoulders and a dove representing the Holy Spirit. So then I dove a little deeper onto the interwebs and I found a picture of that right here. Oh, the, the, the papal cross. cross. This doesn't say pectoral cross it just says papal cross but uh so there's the dove yeah see there's the, the dove. there's some sheep I'm trying to they, let's see if nice. let's see if we squint if we see the satanic yeah, pect- bits. original pectoral classes do you see the pectoral cross is four inches tall four inches tall it's pretty big i could i could rock something like that don't you think mm-hmm. um should i get up a replica of the Pope's pectoral cross? Or maybe not. Like maybe that's, like, that's an option on this website. I, are they selling that? No, no, no. This is just informational. 
uh, wait. Uh, this is the company that made the cross. With mm-hmm. this, this is an article Zieglers.com, the story and meaning of the papal cross. I, I'm just looking at it, and I'm just wondering how QAnon got got their um, their <laughs> their wires crossed on this deal. It kind of has like some like heavy metal album cover. It does sort vibes of have it. a like it's it maybe looks like kind of a woodcut design, yeah. you know, which kind of has like a stark. Yeah, the J Man looks a little bit ghoulish in those. Yeah, he does look. A, he does look a bit ghoulish. Those I see grubs. that, and and maybe the the dove is like coming straight down, and it kind of looks Dive like bombing. like the Longhorn symbol in a way. I guess mm, yeah. you could see like a. You can see how those could be interpreted as horns or something. Right? Nothing more Satanist than a longhorn cow. Or or t- the University of Texas at Austin. <laughs> I went to the, I went to, the I went to the most Satanist school there is. <laughs> um, anyway, um, do you know much the? I mean, there's I, been like a hundred podcasts done about this, but do you know much about the the uh, crossover between? the rocket science program in Southern California, like Stanford and, and, and Satanists. No, they were all, (laughs) they were all in it. And somehow L Ron Hubbard was involved with them too Mm. in the early days. Well, uh, who's the guy, who's the, um, they were all guy in San Francisco, the Satan, the satanic prophet guy. I don't know. Why are we talking about this? Huh? <laughs> Welcome to the 157 R6, the satanic episode. <laughs> Here we go. Um, Alistair Crowley. Oh. You know, he lived, there's the Black House oh, at, I didn't know he was at in, I 6114 California a, Street in I San Francisco. Him, I thought of him as a British bloke. Oh, no, Anton LaVey. In jolly old England, a- Anton Lavey was the he's he was the headquarters of the Church of Satan from 1966 until 1997. He was the San Francisco guy. Yeah, he was okay. in San Francisco. Yeah, this okay. is on and California Lave- I think that he was involved with the rocket science people at Stanford. Stanford. Sure. Are um, we a are we a conspiracy theory podcast? <laughs> I mean, look, I know how you conspiracy theory world. I know how you hate to give any airtime to QAnon or anything. Yeah, no, it's stupid to. I don't like to amplify their signal, but something as wonderful as because I mean, the great thing about this is about this Pope being a Satanist thing is it really is. it's, It's awesome. We have this. Particularly, you know, relatively good Pope is like he's recognizing. He seems to be like, like at least trying to recognize some of the, you know, child abuse stuff and the criminal activities. He's trying to address that at least, at least, you know, not totally sweeping under the rug like past past uh, administrations have. But he's also, yeah, he's just he's just on track, like being like a, you know, taking care of the poor and being a. It's it makes perfect sense that he would they would call him a Satanist. It's like, yeah, because he's not. He's made himself a target by trying to be Trill. So that's true and real. So it's it's. A, I thought Trill was Texas real. No, Trill is true and real. Uh, I'm glad we talked about that. <laughs> I'm glad we worked that. Out. 
I don't know. I, I think I brought this up to you because you were raised Catholic. Yeah. So I know. Are about... you a Catholic? I suppose. I, I think that. I mean, you've I would been re- confirmed. I have been confirmed. And you yes, haven't so been confirmed in, in any Army. other churches. No. Like Anton LaVey's. Confirmed. I mean, I was baptized. Church. I mean, my first communion, I was confirmed. Oh, yeah. So. I, you know, I think the parlance in the parlance of the time, I am a lapsed Catholic. I see, but um, better than a prolapsed rectum. Uh, uh, tell, tell me, tell me more. <laughs> no, no, no. Everybody, look that up in your own time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no. I mean, I have a very complicated. You have a complicated relationship with the Catholic Church, just, as we all do. Oh no, I have a spiritual. I have a. I have some ideas about spirituality. I am. I have thought about it a lot, and I do think of myself as a spiritual person. But it's very. Uh, I try to keep it kind of science based. Maybe you recognize that um, organized religion does oft go astray. I mean, just like just like anything else, just like yeah. the National Football League and. Uh, <laughs> like, standardized, like that was your standardized healthcare and yeah, the immediate you know, comparison. Any any bureaucracy has has a chance to go horribly awry. Right, right. Uh, well, I brought this up in connection with a news cruise. Oh, excellent! And um, I guess we could go on it now. Where's Captain Stu? Uh, news crews from the BBC. Shocker. Oh, how about that England against France tomorrow? Eh? All right. All right. Geese sorted. Oh, am I rooting for England or France? I don't know. I guess England. Yeah, come on. Choose your side, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> if, you, if, you, uh, if you come and talk. Talk Cockney to me all afternoon. Should, why, should I show up at the bar and just speak in a British accent? With the, the, the red St. Andrew's cross <laughs> on your face. <laughs> well, those guys were... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, well, I thought you were making a, a Braveheart reference. No. They weren't... The, those guys aren't... The really flag right. of England is right, different sure. from the, you know, of course. From yes. the Union Jack. Right. Yes. All right. Here's this article. I don't know if you heard about this. The self-proclaimed kingdom that doesn't recognize Germany. Oh, jeez. In the depths of... This is by Jenny Hill. Berlin correspondent Jenny Hill. Is she related to Benny Hill? From now on, <laughs> yes. Oh, I geese. In the depths of the countryside in eastern Germany, there's an invisible border. The turrets of an imposing castle loom out on the treetops. A sign on its front door solemnly informs the visitor that they've entered, in effect, a new country, the Königreich Deutschland, Kingdom of Germany. That was sort of a Scottish, Scottish German there. It's, it's so a much... self-proclaimed independent state, complete with its own self-appointed king. Peter I, as he prefers to be known, receives us in a rather gloomy wood-paneled hall. Basically, this is a story about a guy who claims to be... Descended from German royalty, who is uh, making his own state. This has shades of uh, <laughs> of lots of cults, lots of uh, 
what are the what are, what were the what was the crew in Waco? Uh, the uh, you know, I'm talking not about Seventh Day Adventists. Or... No, not Seventh Day Adventists. Um, oh. we'll think of it momentarily. Basically, Branch Davidians. The Branch Davidians. Yes, this guy's got the Branch Davidians mixed with the the January sixth Patriots. So, so this guy Peter the the first uh, has um, his area in Germany. Um, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a very <laughs> off-color joke about the Branch Davidians? Sure. Uh, is it Jeffrey Dahmer who was the serial killer who ate people? Yes. I don't. Gosh, I don't know why I remember this or why I'm repeating this. Something I heard a, like a comedian say about the time of the Waco incident. It was. Did you hear that? Did you hear that Jeffrey Dahmer has escaped from prison? Uh, he's heading for Waco with a bottle of barbecue sauce. Oof. He's going to start a new cult called the Brunch Davidians. Wow. Ha! <laughs> so the, the, the Brunch Davidian thing is the part that like tickles me and makes me laugh. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, but sorry about I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. You're going to have to put a special like warning on this on this episode. Yeah. Well, we're going to. Schaefer makes an off-color joke. I I don't think that was terribly off color. I don't think anybody's um, upset about the if you're if you're dissing the brand. Is calling things off color is that racist? Uh, probably. Haven't we learned that everything's racist? Let's definitely not look into it. (laughs) Um, I can't not look into it, Matthew. So this guy, Peter. Peter the First, he he's what's known in Germany as a Reichsburger, a citizen of the Reich, one of an estimated twenty one thousand people who are defined by the country's intelligence agencies as conspiracy theorists who don't recognize the legitimacy of the post war German state. So, uh, much like in this country, there's a lot of people who would like things to just go back the way they were, and they're making plans. They've risen to prominence this week with the arrest of 25 people in raids on Reichsburger. Reichsburger? That's, that sounds delicious. Suspected of plotting to storm the German parliament building, the Reichstag, in a violent overthrow of the government. King Peter says he has no such violent intentions. Yeah, right. But he does believe the German state to be destructive and sick. Wait, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be said. Destructive and sick. I have no interest in being part of this fascist and satanic system, he says. That's what... that Really, we were supposed to talk about this first, and then talk about how QAnon thinks that the Pope is a Satanist. And so, like, I don't know, he's got some land, and they're setting it up, and he's got about... He says he claims to have 5,000 citizens... There's a picture here of some coins and a and a one hundred something bill. The self-proclaimed kingdom has even minted its own currency. <clears throat> they got an ancient castle or an old castle, barred wild, an hour and a half's drive south of Berlin. Thirty people live on the site, either in the main building or in caravans, and uh, you know they're trying to make this thing happen. So this is great. I, you know, it's funny how the 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 fear mongering that goes on 
like remember when we were afraid of the one world government like we were afraid that the whole world was going to start coming together and working as one and there was like fear about that but really, in truth, that's never going to happen. There's, was, ne there's never going to be a one world government. We see now, we had a time when things were maybe homogenizing, globalizing, and I think that was good. I think that was good well, in some ways. In some ways, I'm sure it was bad. But now we seem to be devolving into another time where people are just going to fracture away from their communities and, you know... Um, what I, what I want to say by that is, like, just don't believe when people are trying to make you afraid, when the media is trying to make you afraid, when there's like this, oh, no, this thing's going to happen. Nah, maybe it's not going to happen in the long run, you know. Maybe it's not going to go in that way. It's just like, don't you don't want to live your life in fear. I don't know how I took that outcome from this story that i just read i also realized that reading a story from the internet is probably the worst part of our podcast oh i love it yeah. and i uh you know i get excited when people start their own nations um yeah but i don't like you hope that they started with good intentions, you know. Sure. And like, you well, know, and then if I so actually the, think the about it, like, this whole, this whole, you know, the human race is so fractured, and it's because of, you know, leftover tribalism and you know, jingoism and all these, you know, all these people thinking that, you know, their way is better than the other way. Uh, so there's us and there's them. Yep. But you know. There's really all of us, and you know, we should be hyper considerate of the fact that we're all on this planet together as this planet heats up and becomes much less habitable for humans. And that's something that's going to affect us. It's going to be literally a global event. And it should, I would think, bring us together as species but i mean we'll see you know well you see it time and time again how you need a conflagration to bring people together i or how about something else you that could bring people together matthew how about a singularity have you seen the latest news about about ai this <sighs> chat gpt I, it was in my periphery chat gpt you, you yeah could, you could educate me at this juncture that's talking uh so this guy is really neat, uh, Substack blog uh, called Maximum Effort, Minimum mm -hmm. Reward. That's about people who do things just to do them. I Even like though, that. Isn't that what the podcast is about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh -huh. I would say that <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's there's lots of reward. <laughs> Every time we get feedback from one of you guys, it's it's a great reward. Uh, Chat GPT. Uh, it's it's a bot. It's an OpenAI bot. Uh, OpenAI is the company, and it is a you know, it's a self-teaching um, software. Okay. And it it wrote some stuff. It, it it has written it has written news articles. It has written fiction. 
It has written uh, all, all manner of things. But do you give it a prompt? Yeah, yeah, you're prompted to do something. Okay. And you say, do this in this way, or I see. talk to me about this. And uh, this guy. had asked it to write to create a fake language was it king peter he said could i get it to invent a self-consistent new language speak to me in that language and write a program to translate that language back to english oh, yes it can i'm truly stunned by this capability far beyond anything i would expect from a model trained to complete text prompts from the user and this is all yeah this is all just a thing created to help people like to, it's 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 basically uh software written to do the autofill thing you know when you you type in something and then it gives you an option for what you might want to type yeah. after that you uh -huh. know and you can hit tab and fill it out it's a way to improve that that technology oh, but uh he's truly stunned this is far beyond anything i would expect from a model trained used to create text prompts the user it understands subordinate clauses, meaning that it understands at least one level of recursive grammar, which Noam Chomsky said is the basis for all human grammar. It understands that inflected language in inflected languages, word order doesn't matter if the word is properly inflected, and it correctly uses this fact to generate sentences with novel structure. Oh, it also wow. understands that order does matter for non-inflected words and never switches those. It says it's not very good at generating completely novel sentences, but it does generalize to some degree. And when asked to answer questions in the made-up language on which it is barely trained, it answers correctly most of the time. It needs some coaching sometimes, but so do humans. It can spontaneously compose in the made-up language with at least mostly correct grammar and an accurate sense of meaning. Finally, when asked to to write a Python program that translates sentences in the made-up language, it does, and the code works. It also debugs its own code if asked to. And all of this, guys, you know, since I'm writing this blog as a public record of this incredibly impressive and a little scary capability, I know I just posted yesterday, I'm so blown away, I have to write this down while it's still fresh in my mind. So are we closer to the singularity because of this? We are. This is... You know, the, a lot of people say that the moment of the singularity will be when computers can teach themselves to write their own software. Okay. Right? And that's exactly what he's saying is going on there, you know? Which... I, I mean, I don't... I, I could want to compare myself to AI because I had to look up what subordinate clauses are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know I know what subordinate clauses are, um, but it's it is really impressive. Yeah, yeah, grammar is something that's uh, it's one of the most complex things that humans do and and do it quickly. You know, and it's because we've been practicing it, you know, for years. Uh, and it's a, it's a it's a very a lot of people tell you that this is what makes humans different from you know all other creatures. It's what makes humans human. So if a software program is doing it, is that software program approaching humanity? Uh, I would answer yes. And uh, I was talking with this about the bar yesterday, and there were a lot of, you know, a lot of techno pessimists 
a lot of people saying, oh, that's scary. Even though, you know, that author said, you know, this is a little, a little bit scary. But I, when I told the folks at the bar, I said, everybody's seeing how the world is going lately. Everybody knows that, that the sea levels are rising and that, you know, that the planet could be burned to a crisp and, you know, there's even stuff that people don't even talk about. You know, there's a bunch of methane frozen at the bottom of the ocean. And if that, if, if the temperature down there rises just a few degrees, that methane will melt and it'll, it'll bubble up. It'll just gas the whole world. Everybody's dead or something. I don't know. I'm repeating something I heard somebody say. So okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to have to look up this. You heard it here, folks. But Get at us. Schaefer Hall at Gmail. point is, there's things that you should be scared about that <laughs> you don't even know about. Right. And the gamma ray bursts is my... And humans are not, you know, it's we're increasingly show that we're way behind the eight ball on this, you know. We're, we're finally agreeing that there is a problem, which is crazy right. that we're just now agreeing that because we're already way behind on fixing the problem. And I think, you know, with enough time and enough resources, humans could figure something out. But we're running out of time, guys. You know, we should have been working, we should have been using all of our ingenuity to work on this problem harder, faster. So, I think that that self-programmed computers and this uh, uh, and real you know, genuine AI working on these problems is all that's going to save us. And once, the, you know, the amazing thing is like once this happens, you know, like all of our, we can start having computers work on solving the, like figuring out how to, figuring out how to 3D print a kidney, you know, mm. you can have all, all the computing, computers working on that and, and computers that can, you know, recognize their own problems immediately and immediately solve them. They can just do everything so much faster than we can. So that's, it's all going to be able to address much faster. And we can, you know, figuring out, you know, ways to colonize other planets, figuring out solving climate change on our own planet. Uh, the space program is going to, you know, every, all of this stuff is going to shoot through the roof once, once it has this, this amazing resource working behind it. And so I really think that this is the only thing that's going to save humanity. And for that reason, we should definitely roll the dice. You know, everybody, new technology scares everybody when it comes along, right? Yeah, like the iPhone, whichever number's next. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> terrified. Electricity, whatever. Let me ask you this, Shafe. If we had really been focusing our efforts on these real problems that we have, do you think that our phones would be as advanced as they are? <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. I think... <laughs> also, you consider yourself a techno-optimist? I am a techno That sounds like a geezer who's just sure that that rave's just around the next bend. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I can hear it. Uh, so this company, uh, my so our friend Tom McGillick, uh, Lindsay Anderberg's husband, uh-huh. He's been messing around with, uh, with this open source software, okay. and he's been using it to create poems. Oh, so we're gonna get him on the podcast soon to show to read us some of the uh, AI generated poetry that he's uh, that he's had the program right. You don't have uh, one of his poems here. I don't have it right to now. Bless though. us with. 
I can find, you know, I'll find another. There's plenty of AI generated poetry online, so I'll find some. Remember that episode where we talked about the Pope and <laughs> the German branch Davidians and an AI? Shafi's favorite topic, the singularity. Um, I feel myself wanting, I'm, I, maybe I'm just like this, these uh, German branch Davidians. I want the old times, but not, but the old, old times where just people are closer to nature, you know, like I, as excited as I am about new technologies, I really just want to spend more time with my bare feet in the mud. It's possible that our relationship to nature is broken. That's what David Attenborough said. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not exactly a Luddite because here I am on my back porch in the grid using the interwebs with a MacBook to record a podcast, you know, uh, but I think when I was younger, I thought technology was going to make me happy. And, uh, I don't think it does. I think, I think we have, a, we, we got a big problem with that. I mean, I have so much fun with technology, <laughs> uh, you know? Okay. Sure. You're a techno optimist. I don't think, you know, it's not up to the, you know, asking technology to make you happy is like asking the soccer ball to make you a better soccer player. Okay, sure. You know? It's just a tool. It's just a tool. Yeah. yeah. But it's possible that the framework of the tool helps keep you separate from nature. Yeah, for sure. I mean... It, you know, jobs that involve the tools are performed in these hermetically sealed buildings, you know. Maybe my issue is more with, like, the framework of industrial society and not technology itself. Sure. But, um, you know, I like the parts of my job where I get to be outside. Yeah. So, and, and oftentimes... I would just rather be farming. I don't know. I don't. Know. You know, I think that that's a normal. I bet. I bet if you had spent a few, if you spent a few months farming, though, you would you would want to change. Yeah, you, know, you might be ready to be back in that hermetically sealed building at your stand up desk or sit down. After you know, farming through, of course, I want to be on a spaceship exploring new worlds. Of course, and okay, well, that's coming up for you. It's coming up. We'll get our... Uh, or not, or we'll get that methane bubble. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, get our, we'll get our new organs printed. And, you know, you'll have the option of living forever if you want to. You don't have to. And we can go explore explore new worlds. I, a living forever would be fucking terrible. The gene rot. Because, <laughs> like, already the generation gap... You know, in twenty years <laughs> of people, uh, somebody who's—I yes. mean, I'm I'm forty six. I'm talking to a twenty year old, so 20, 25 years younger than me. 
and just I I mean the world changes. The world changes and it leaves you behind and and it's it's good just to die and be born again. Okay. Rather than live long, I think. I understand where your head's at with all this, but you know, the what I think of mostly of the generation gap is when it comes to music, you know? Like that that music just sounds like noise to me and I don't get it and it's obscene and uh-huh. and all that. But the more interesting thing to me is how much music hasn't changed over the years. You know, there were like, you know, a classical orchestra, you know, that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years now, you know, people uh, banging on drums and dancing around outside around a fire. That's, you know, that's awesome too. That's been going on for nearly as long as human humans themselves, I would guess. Uh, and even, you know, even supposedly obscene stuff like rock and roll is obscene. Uh, you know, there have been sailors singing obscene songs for hundreds of years. So uh, you got that right. Sailor. I think, you know, what you would be more surprised is by how much of a gap there isn't. <laughs> okay. And how the, how you know, basically everybody keeps doing the same things just slightly differently. Okay. Well, listen, in your third century, of living, I hope to get to talk to you and ask you how your friend group is going. <laughs> I, I hope those universal truths are still keeping. It is. Yeah. It is funny to think about. Like I, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily want to live forever without my brother, without my sister. Um, I would like to keep my mom and dad forever. Um. I definitely would never, um, the idea of one of my nieces or nephews passing away is almost unfathomable f- for me to think about. Well, what scenario you know? do you think that everybody's getting all those new parts? See, you know? Yeah, I don't you're, know. You're definitely going to be, right? uh, you, you're definitely going to be some level of elite and there's going to be loads of, of souls who are not. It's, who are not, are not getting who are not getting those three D printed kidneys? You're so. absolutely right. Um, I I guess when I think about living forever, I do think about uh, not everybody being in that same. Sure, if everybody's going to, that's the promise of heaven in the Bible. By the way, is that everybody's going to live forever? You're going to be there with all of your loved ones. So, I found a website called TweetSpeak. Is this the poem? Tweets me. Get inspired with poetry and poetic things. Okay. Can a machine write better than you? The five best and worst AI poem generators. These days, AI can do just about anything. It can even draw pictures. What AI has a little more trouble with, however, is creating poems. That doesn't stop the AI writers of the world from making their valiant attempts. Here are the best and worst. Uh, the The topic chosen chosen is uh, Hades and Persephone. Uh, that crazy that couple. Story? The um. Persephone. Is that the one where they looked? Is that Persephone? No, it's was... the lot where he turns into a salt. Lots in the Bible, Hades and Persephone. That's like 
Greek mythology or Roman. Why are you turning to salt? Sonnet generator. This sonnet generator claims to take the eye out of iambic pentameter. All you have to do is fill in a couple of boxes and the generator will do the rest. You're going to generate a sonnet for the end of the show? Is that no, gonna this is, I'm going to read the Ode to Hades. Ode to the Hades. A sonnet by Anonymous. I'm not sure what... I'm not sure how old this is. Let's see if I can find that information. Oh, it's relatively, relatively recent, it looks like. So I just want to make sure it wasn't like 15 years old. Because they've been, you know, Ray Kurzweil, a great uh, techno-optist. Techno a fellow techno-optimist. Yeah, and futurist. Uh -huh. he, has, he wrote a program 30 years ago that was writing poems. So it's, this has been something that we've been working on for a long time. Okay, Ode to the Hades. This is by the sonnet generator. <laughs> okay. My wonder, Hades... You inspire me to write. How I hate the way you gaze, thrown and dash, invading my mind, day and through the night, always dreaming about the whisper, Pash. <laughs> Let me compare you to a sear clover. You are more quiet, create and serene. Lead storms whip the twiglets of October, and autumn time has the whispering lean. How do I hate you? Let me count the ways. I hate your chthonic. Shroud and Narcissus, thinking of your crafting shroud, fills my days. My hate for you is the paper electrophoreses. Now I must away with an underheart. Remember my words whilst we're apart. Okay, so that was terrible. It's better than my sonnets. <laughs> but I mean, they're just like a bunch of like words that didn't even make any sense where they were just like the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, a song lyric generator. Okay, well, I'm going to explore this more. We're going to get Tom on the show. And uh, I know for a fact that there's much better uh, AI-generated poems out there. And there, there are, like, the Curse File program was cool because you could, you could give the program, you know, all of the works of Shakespeare and all of the works of Ogden Nash and you can tell it, hey, write me a, write me a poem about trees that's that inc that uses both the style of Shakespeare and the style of Ogden Nash. Okay. So, I mean, does the GPS chat stuff that you were talking about? Mm -hmm. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, GP chat. GP chat. Yeah. Uh, that sounds closer to the singularity the sonnet that you just read uh, yeah. assuages my fears a bit <laughs> Good. Right. about the approaching singularity might not make it after all probably only got about 20 more good years in me anyway unless i get one of those 3d printed kidneys i think i'm gonna write a song 3d printed kidney <laughs> All right, don't hold me to that. It'll be just another one of the things we promised having kept here on one magical hour. Uh, do we need? Do we have any business with our uh, listenership? Uh, Brian got it. Brian Benitez got at us. He said that uh, the milk toast 
setting in the Bloodborne game is exactly what you'd think. It's all of all of the various settings that you can do for a character are all right down the middle. It's exactly average. Just like the podcast. Milk toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like a big bowl full of milk and toast. Oh. So the toast is all, you know, soggy. It makes me gag a little bit. But, you, but I can imagine put a little sugar in there. And okay. what you got is like... A, I guess. You got yourself like a little custody sort of substance. As long as the toast was like really stout going in. <laughs> you want a little bit of... A little crust on that toast. Like, what if it just like... What if it's, what if it wasn't really stout and you just get like a nice, like kind of sweet paste, sweet, creamy paste. <laughs> Makes me gag a little bit every just, time. Something but you about, like mashed potatoes, like, right? Something about wet bread, though. I don't That's know. That's weird. No, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, you're, you're absolutely right. It's got a certain mouthfeel. <laughs> Give me a bowl full of milk toast. All right, listen, if anybody is listening, please let us know. Uh, and and we love you. I love you too. You talking about the listeners or me? Both of you. Oh, okay. Both you and the listeners. Okay. And the poor are the choices. The sweet of the why. Nineteen or twenty. Left my old hometown Came to the city On my way downtown I poured banker's coffee Swept off his floor Spent all my paychecks In the record store Living in historical fiction Down and out in splendid cafes Passionate romantic affliction Bohemian days Riding the subway Songs in my head Making up verses From what people said Work in the morning Late nights in bars Low paid engagements Playing my guitar in some smoky crowded room where your friends are Think of something clever to say Hoping you'll turn up in a memoir Sunday No work all day My pads are dreary Won't you come and play 
you can paint your pictures I'll sing my songs We'll laugh ourselves to death the whole day long Dreaming up the plot of a story Acting out the parts in a play Hoping it will all lead to glory Bohemian days Bohemian days I'm never, 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 never going home Bohemian days I'm never, 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 never going home Cause I wouldn't the world for the feeling Penniless but handsomely paid Hear the raindrops hitting the ceiling Bohemian days Bohemian days I'm never, 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 never growing Never, 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 never going home